0: Well, this morning, we're continuing our series through the book of Jonah. We're up to Jonah chapter 2. So I invite you to take your Bibles, the Pew Bible in front of you, if you're using it. It's page 774, or your electronic devices, and join me in Jonah chapter 2. When we left off last week, we laughed off with Jonah being swallowed by a great fish. And so that's where we're going to pick up this morning, is we are going to find in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah's prayer. And his prayer, as far as I know, he's the only man that has prayed from the belly of a fish to God. So follow along. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land." May God bless the reading of his word uh, to us. There was a famous paratrooper who was speaking to a group of young recruits. When he had finished his prepared talk, he asked if there were any questions. And one of the young men raised his hand and asked this question. What made you decide to make your first jump? The paratrooper's answer was quick and to the point. I was in an airplane at 20,000 feet with three dead engines. What's it take to make you do something? Specifically, what's it take To make you pray. To make you call out to God. Jonah is in the belly of the fish. The average depth of the sea is about 12,000 feet. So somewhere between the surface and 12,000 feet deep, Jonah decides to call upon the Lord. Now, I am not going to spend time this morning talking much about is this a real story or not. There are those who have rejected this as being a real story because they just don't want to accept the, that a great fish could swallow a man. Well, let me remind you of two basic facts. Number one, Jesus believed this was a true story. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 40, he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. So if Jesus believed it was a true story, that's good enough for me. Secondly, all your problems and all your issues will disappear If you believe in a God of the supernatural, if you believe in a God who created the world, it's not such a big thing to believe that God could prepare a fish big enough to swallow an individual. And so this morning, we are going to deal with Jonah praying to the Lord from the belly Of the well. The first thing I want you to see is that Jonah is in distress. He is in distress. In verse 2, he said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. The writer of Proverbs has said, The way of the transgressor is hard. You know, we saw last week that Jonah is running away from God. Jonah is refusing to do what he knows very clearly that God wants him to do. And dear Christian friend, let me say this to us, to all of us this morning. When we know that God wants us to do something and when we say, I'm not going to do it, don't expect your life to be easy. Don't expect everything to go your way. When you are rebelling and fighting against God, hardness is going to come into your life. Not because God is mean, not because God is trying to punish you. God knows what is best for you, and he loves you too much. To just let you disobey. Yeah. Parents, if you love your children, you will discipline your children. A lack of discipline on the part of parents is really a sign that you don't really love your children or you wouldn't let them get away with that uh, disobedience to you. God is not going to let his prophet just say, I'm not going to obey you. So Jonah finds his life in distress. You notice in verse 5, he says that the waters closed in over me to take my life. Remember when we left off, the men in the ship, what did they do to Jonah as a last resort? They threw him overboard. Now, he's thrown into the waters of the sea, into a storm. Jonah is almost drowned. Secondly, notice his distress. Verse 2, or actually verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish you ever thought what it would be like in the belly of a fish? Think about what it would smell like. Seaweed. Rotting food. Salty, stale water. Think about what it would feel like. Slimy, do you like touching slimy stuff? They have slimy all around you, slippery, wet, and warm. Uh, Just the situation you'd like to be in, right? What does it look like in there? Think about there's no light in there. It's not like in the fairy tales where you're going to have a light with you and you're looking around inside the belly of the fish. It is going to be completely dark. And so imagine what you're going to feel when you reach out and touch things in the the dark and you're trying to to find your, your footing inside the belly of this great fish. What would you be hearing? Gurgling, digestive noises all around you? See, we read that he's he's in the belly of the fish, and we just kind of skip over that. Uh, I I would I would say if we tried to recreate in our auditorium this morning this feeling, this look that all of you would just leave. I'm not going in there. <laughs> Jonah didn't choose to go in there either. He's in the belly of the fish. He feels abandoned. Okay. Um, Look at verse 4. He said, I am driven away from your sight. It feels like God can't even see him where he is. He feels like he's in jail. Down in verse 6. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me. Forever. He feels like he's going to die, and initially he did wish to die. Look at that in verse seven. When my life was fainting away. See, what do you think Jonah expected when the sailors threw him overboard? He figured he was going to drown. That's what he expected, and now he finds himself in the belly of a fish, and he probably wishes he had drowned, rather than being where he is. You know, when you're running away from God, when you're disobedient to him, you're going to find yourself in circumstances that are less than ideal. And you're going to find yourself in places where you wish you were not. Jonah is in distress. Secondly, in the passage, I want us to see that Jonah calls out to the Lord. Jonah calls out to the Lord. Now, we have to ask ourselves a question when we come to chapter 2 and as we work our way through it and we see Jonah crying out to the Lord. Does Jonah really repent? Does Jonah really get his heart right with God here in chapter 2? Now there's there's two different opinions as we we look and study this passage. On the one hand, there will be people say, well, read the language and read what what it says, that he's crying out to the Lord, that he'll be in the temple again. Think of all of that, yes, Jonah really repents. But then there are others that look at it and you look at the book of Jonah as a whole, and when you come to chapter four, you'll find that Jonah's upset with God because Jonah's heart still has not changed. He still hates the Assyrians, and he wishes they would all be wiped out. So does he really repent or not? Now, may I suggest to you, this? I've looked at this and I've wrestled with this throughout this this week and trying to understand, you know, what do I think? You know, did he really repent or not? I think that Jonah repents of his disobedience to the Lord's command of not doing what the Lord told him to do. He repents of that. We see that in his actions, which we'll cover next week, when he goes to the city of Nineveh and he preaches to them. So outside, Jonah is saying, okay, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't go where you told me to go. You know, a ride in the belly of the fish will help you come to that conclusion. I I wish I had just done what you told me to do and had gone there. So for his disobedience to the command of the Lord, I think he repents. But I also think nothing has changed in the heart of Jonah. And Jonah has not understood the heart of God. Now, we all want Jonah to be someone who's back in right relationship. With the Lord. That's what we expect of prophets, isn't it? We would expect a prophet to have a heart for God. And so we're going to look throughout the book for all kinds of evidence that he is in right relationship with God. But this book is going to end without any assurance of that whatsoever. Remember, we said Jonah is not the hero of this book, he is the villain of this. And we desperately want Jonah to repent. So what's going on here? I think that what we're seeing is the grace of God being shown to Jonah. We need to remember our God is a God of love and a God of grace. And God showed love and grace to the sailors. So that when they threw Jonah overboard, what happened to the sea? The storm ceased. It went away. God showed grace and love to the sailors. God is going to show love and grace to the people of Nineveh. When we see next week how they are going to repent from their sin. And God is not going to destroy them. And so we also see that God shows love and grace to his prophet, to his prophet. Aren't you glad that even as we were singing this morning that God never gives up on us? We may give up on him. We may turn from following closely after him. But God never gives up. On us. And he never stops working in our, our lives, the lives of his children. He continues to work and to call us to follow him. So as we're going to see Jonah calling out to the Lord, it's important to know that Jonah's prayer is composed almost entirely of statements from the book of Psalms. So Jonah, as he's praying in the belly of the fish to the Lord, he is going to be praying back Scripture to the Lord. You know, that's a good practice for all of us. When you're praying and you don't know what to pray, just pray back Scripture. Just personalize those verses of Scripture and pray them back to the Lord. So what are we going to see as he calls out to the Lord. We're going to see, first of all, as we already feel, he feels like he's out of God's sight. Verse 4, he said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Friends, don't let your feelings drive the way that you're living your life. Jonah doesn't feel like God is close. Well, why would he feel like God was close? He's been in disobedience to God. But if God doesn't feel close to you, guess who it is that's moved? It's not God. We're the ones who have moved. So even though he doesn't feel like he's close to God... He still cries out to God. Whatever you're facing, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, even when it feels like God is not there and God is not close, he is still there. So call out to him. He calls out to the Lord. In verse 7, he says... He remembers the Lord. Look at what he says. I remembered the Lord, middle of verse 7, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. The temple was the place that symbolized the presence of God. And so Jonah can pray with confidence, even though he feels like he's far from God, that God is hearing him and that God will answer his prayer. friends, it doesn't matter where you are. Just as we said last week, there's no place that you can go to hide from the presence of God. God is there wherever you go, and he can hear you. He remembered the Lord. Verse 9, he thanks the Lord. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Jonah can look even at his situation in the belly of the fish and find something to thank God for. No matter what your circumstances are this morning, no matter what you're going through, you have something to thank God for. The very air that fills our lungs is a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift where does it come from it comes from God so whatever good there is in your life and you might say well what's good in Jonah's life at this point in time you talked about the circumstances there so what good can there be there in his life is Jonah still alive does God still have a plan for him So even in those circumstances, Jonah can find something to thank the Lord for. And then we see that Jonah commits that he will obey the Lord. The end of verse 9. What I have vowed, I will Okay, Lord, you've kept me alive, and I've made promises to you. You know, as a prophet, he would have had to promise that he would faithfully deliver the word of God. As a prophet, he had to have promised that he would faithfully follow God's will. So he made that promise And the Lord reminds him of that promise, and he says, I will keep what I've promised to do. I said I would obey you. If you're sending me to Nineveh, then I will go. I will keep it. I recognize that's what I'm supposed to do. So let me ask you a question this morning. What have you promised to the Lord that you're not keeping? Have you promised God certain things and then not followed through on those things that you've promised to him? Maybe God's speaking to you this morning and said, hey, you said you would obey me and do what I lead you to do, but why aren't you doing this? Maybe as a, a believer in Christ, you made a promise that you would follow the Lord, but you've never been baptized, and you know God wants you to be baptized, and you made that promise, hey, the next time we have a baptism, I, 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 I'm going to do it, but you didn't follow through on it. God wants you to follow through on the promise you've made. Maybe you're here, and you made a promise, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances, I am going to give faithfully and regularly to you this amount that you have laid on my heart that I should give to you, but you've never followed through on it. Maybe you made a promise that, you know, I I have this neighbor, I have this friend, I have this family member that I need to share the gospel with, and Lord, I promise you the next time I'm with them, I'm going to look for that opportunity, and I'm going to tell them about you. But you haven't followed through on that. Maybe there's a a sin in your life, and, and we're all pretty good at this. We sin, and thankfully, we know that if we sin as Christians... That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we sin, we remember that verse, and we confess to the Lord. And then a little time passes, and what do we end up doing as human beings? Committing the same sin again. And so what... How do we handle that? Well, we're a little embarrassed because we promised the Lord that if he would forgive us, we wouldn't do it again. So, Lord, I really mean it this time. If you forgive me, I'll never commit this sin again. And we claim his forgiveness. And as soon as we've said that, we've fallen right into the devil's trap. Because you know what's going to happen? Eventually, we're going to be tempted and we're going to fall into the sin Again, And now we're even more embarrassed to go to the Lord, right? That's why the Lord has to sometimes put his people into the belly of a fish to get their attention to say, hey, uh, I haven't forgotten what you promised to me. And you need to follow through. And for us today, uh, we have the power of the Spirit of God living inside us to give us a victory over it. And if there's something that the Lord wants you to follow through on, as there was something for Jonah that the Lord wanted him to follow through on, it will be coming to mind right now. You'll know the Lord's speaking to you about, hey, you've promised to do this. Now you need to carry out what you have promised. And you need to make a fresh commitment this morning That you will obey the Lord. Now, the Lord will forgive you for all your failures. The Lord will forgive you of the times that you haven't followed through. But the Lord still is looking for your obedience to what you have committed to Him. See, because ultimately, God is in control. Remember we said, as we approach this book, this book is about God. It's not really about the prophet, it's not really about the fish, it's not really about the city of Nineveh, it is about God and a God who is in control. And in case you're questioning or you're forgotten, we serve a sovereign God who is in control. In chapter one, verse 17, the, the end of the first chapter, the Lord appointed a great fish. That fish just didn't happen to be there to swallow a poisonous prophet. And probably if the fish knew what he was swallowing, he probably wouldn't have wanted to. Remember, Jonah makes everybody sick. This whole book is about people getting sick. Chapter one, the sea's sick. Chapter two, the, the fish is sick at the, the end of it. He vomits Jonah up on the dry land. I'll let that image stick with you for a while. Next week, he's going to make the people of Nineveh sick. In chapter 4, he's going to make God sick by his attitude. The Lord is in control. He appointed the fish. Notice in verse 3, Jonah says, it's God who cast him into the sea. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. Well, I thought we saw the, the sailors threw him in. Yeah, the sailors threw him in, but who was behind that action? See, they were trying as hard as they could to get to dry land. They couldn't get there. Why? Because a sovereign God wasn't going to let them get there. Verse 2. God hears Jonah. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Verse six, it's God who saved Jonah. Into verse six, you brought me, you brought up my life from the pit. Now imagine what that's like in, in, in the fish when he talks about the pit. You think your life is in the pits? Think of Jonah. Thrown in the sea, he expects to drown. Instead, he finds himself in complete darkness in the belly of a fish. With seaweed wrapped around his neck. Now think of the fish in the imagery that we see here. You've got this fish swimming all around The fish has an upset stomach because he's got a poisonous prophet inside of him. And so he'll be going to the surface and down to the depths, up and swimming all around. Uh, Think of that inside the fish, the ride that you're getting. I don't think anyone would, would stand in an amusement park to take this ride. But it probably had more ups and downs than the greatest roller coaster that has been invented to this time. And yet, he saves Jonah. And then notice at the very end of the passage, in verse 9, notice what Jonah says. But with the voice of thanksgiving, will, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to To the Lord. Say that with me. Salvation belongs to the Lord. God is the giver of salvation. Now, there's a double meaning here in that word, in that statement. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The word used for salvation means deliverance. And for Jonah, that deliverance is going to be what? God's going to get him out of the belly of the well. He's going to have one last ride as the fish spits him out and projects him out. Projectile vomiting is what you're going to see here. The fish spits him out into dry land. (laughs) Hey, I'm not creating this. This is from the Scripture. This is what the Bible says has happened there. Jonah the prophet is delivered so he can do what he promised God he would do. And friends, when God delivers you from your trouble, don't forget that he delivered you so you would obey him in what you promised him to do. But there's a bigger picture here. Salvation belongs to the Lord because Jonah is going to take the message of salvation to the city of Nineveh, that there is only one true God, And you must put your faith and trust in him and not in all your gods. And this morning I proclaim to you there is only one way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no other way of salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one's coming to the Father but By him. Because salvation doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. And the creator of the world and the creator of man set the rules as to how man could be saved. And thankfully he did. Because if he had made it based on our works, none of us would make it. Salvation is the Lord. Now, Jonah gets clarity of thought. Samuel Johnson, who was one of the writers and signers of the American Constitution, made the statement, nothing clears the mind like the certain knowledge that you will die in the morning. Nothing clears the mind. Jonah thought his life was over. And he got clarity. May God not have to bring us to that point to get clarity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you that salvation does belong to you and that through our faith and trust in you, we can be saved. And Father, I pray that you will help each of us, that we might examine what commitments we've made to you And that we might keep those commitments to your honor and to your glory. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.